0: Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio
1: experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Good people, welcome. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome to our show as well. Anyone who want to learn more about podcasts, why you need to launch your podcast, how you can get your podcast, Monetize, How You Can Market, many other insights, because today we're going to discuss this topic with Benjamin Shapiro. How are you?
0: Yeah, Anatoly, great to see you again. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm doing great. I love all your podcasts that you have, you know, I can learn from that, and it's my loving format because it can save time, you know, when I'm walking with my dogs, driving, (laughs) training, many other stuff. So yeah, I love this format. Benjamin, if someone doesn't know you, uh, you spoke on my podcast, I spoke on your podcast. Tell about your experience background and why you pay so much attention to this format
0: yeah um well first off thanks for having me as your guest for anybody uh, who i haven't uh, met before hasn't heard me i'm the founder and ceo of a company called i hear everything and uh, i hear everything started off as uh, my consulting practice originally i was after leaving running the marketing department at early stage startups in the suburbs of san francisco and silicon valley Uh, decided to start taking on short-term projects. And one of the ways that I was meeting new leads for my consulting practice was my podcast. And uh, the first podcast I launched professionally was called the MarTech Podcast. And we've been publishing MarTech Podcast episodes every day for a little over five years now. And uh, started producing content the audience started following me i started seeing some lead generation happening with my business and so i went to one of my consulting clients my anchor client and said you know what i'm not going to work here anymore as a consultant i'm going to go be a podcast host and they said don't leave start a podcast for us and so the next thing you know i was doing two daily podcasts and that was a ton of work and so i focused my energy not only on the content production But on trying to take some of the work off my plate through automation, through outsourcing, uh, trying to use data to understand what content we needed, when to publish it, and just just generally make it easier for me to be able to promote, publish, create, promote, uh, and then monetize uh, podcast content. And so, out of that struggle for me being a podcast host on two daily shows. Uh, We spun out I Hear Everything, which repackaged that basically podcast automation, podcast production automation service uh, for for B2B brands.
1: Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Interesting. Uh, I want to ask you about creating non-boring podcasts. Let me explain why I'm asking about that. Because once I had the conversation with Jim Edwards, he worked in Business Insider. For 10 years he started on this company from scratch then company was sold for 500 million dollars good success everything looks fine and he told me success of business insider depends on creating non-boring content because most niches uh if you are talking about business is boring yeah it's boring to consume and uh, for example i love reading books and many books uh, are great for sleep you know when you have problems with sleep you can take a new book read Sleep well all night, you don't need to medicine, pills, anything, just take a new, boring book. But some books are great, you know. For example, uh, Joe Sugarman wrote a book 40 years ago, How to Retain Audience. Uh, and I think even today in digital marketing, we can use uh, some insights from this book uh, to entertain a little bit your audience to give them a strong reason to consume the whole content. And I think it's the same with podcast. You know, people can bounce fast because it's boring. It's not interested. Even if you get value, can you tell how to retain audience, how to hook their attention in the beginning and retain until the end?
0: I think that there's a couple different points to make sure that your podcast is interesting. First and foremost, targeting the right audience, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I don't work in the pharmaceutical industry, a pharmaceutical podcast would be incredibly boring for me. Right. So make sure that you are marketing towards the people that are going to get value out of your content first. Right. And so, you know, a general marketing podcast is interesting to most marketers. uh, And therefore, you know, you know what your target market should be. So if, if you're and it's not just as sort of broad as, well, marketing a marketing podcast to marketers is the answer. For us, it's, we're the MarTech podcast, or my my show is the MarTech podcast. We focus on professional marketers that use technology, and we know that they are between 25 to 45 years old, generally, Um, you know, they, they gender, they, they tend to center in the major urban markets. Like we know a little bit about our audience and what their needs are and where they live. So we can focus our marketing to try to find more people that are like that. So first off, find your target market, make sure that your content and your marketing efforts are targeted. Second, you know, there's a little of formatting where, um, Some people like doing the cold open, where they take what they think is an insightful part of the podcast and they just start with just audio playing. I I personally don't like that. I don't think it's very engaging. I want to be warmed up a little and have a little context. I like a little music. I like some sound bites. I like to hear who the host is. I like the host coming in and giving an introduction of why the interview is interesting and then getting right to the point when you get to the interview. I think that's probably the third point is. I feel like there is a, a, a need for new podcasters to try to make their podcast seem casual, to make it seem fun, to make it seem pithy. And so they come in and they start talking about a topic that is unrelated to what the person is there listening to. Hey, Anatoly, great. It's been a while. I know you're in Florida. See any alligators lately? Yuck, 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 yuck. Okay, let's get into what podcasting is doing. That first 30 seconds is a waste of time for everyone. And sure, you want to be nice to the, the guest excuse my language, cut the shit. Get to what mm-hmm. the people actually want to know about. This is a podcast about podcasting. The first question should not be about what I had for breakfast. It should be, tell me about podcasting.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, I listen a bunch of your episodes. Uh, I love them because you can invite great uh, speakers who can share value, can help. Uh, can you tell how to find them? For example, if Someone started from scratch. Uh, He wants to invite great speakers who can bring value. Any tips, how to reach out to them, build relationships, and uh, yeah, uh, to invite to your show. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Three steps. First, start with the people you know. Right When you're Mm -hmm. starting a
0: podcast, generally the first 10 episodes should be people that you've already met, you have a relationship with, they're willing to come on the podcast. They're probably some of the higher profile people that you have relationships. Make sure that they're very specific to the subject. Um, but generally what we do when we're launching a new podcast is we go to our clients and we say, give us a list of the 10 people that you'd like to invite in your podcast that you already have a relationship with. And that does a couple things. One, it helps you get some good guests. Two, you have rapport with the guests because you've already met them. And three, they trust you and are going to take it easy on you while you're interviewing. So once you've gone through and you've done your you know, five or 10 episodes with people that you already know, then you're going to uh, start marketing to people that are in sort of their network. So, hey, Anatoly, I had you on my podcast. Great. I'm going to go through your LinkedIn profile and look for other people that we think are relevant. And I'm going to say, hey, Todd. This is Todd. He's just coming to the office today. Hey, Todd, I see that you know Anatoly you know, we I had him on his podcast, his episode got 500 downloads. We'd love to produce a piece of content with you. You can always ask Anatoly for a reference or a referral. Great. So you're starting to get the second wave of your network. And then the third step is getting inbound requests. So when your podcast is high profile enough, if you're ranking in the Apple charts or, if you have a way to sort of get it out to PR reps, a lot of the times they'll find you. And then it becomes less of a question of, do you want to... It's less of a question of, is this person qualified? And more a question of, who's the top of the list? So with a lot of our podcasts, when we're launching, we'll get 10 guests from the, uh, from the host... Uh, We will reach out to their network and see who else that those people know. And then we'll reach out to public relations managers and say, hey, we've got this great podcast. We're looking for speakers in this specific niche. Do you know anybody? And they'll suggest podcast guests for
1: us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Interesting. Uh, Benjamin, uh, when I listen to your podcast, uh, I found that you have the sponsor HubSpot. It's a big company. Uh well-known company. Can you tell how to find such big sponsors who can uh, pay money, you know, uh, for uh, your efforts, and uh, how to give them a strong reason that your podcast can help these companies to get more awareness, uh, to create strong brand recognition.
0: Yeah, HubSpot was a little bit of a unique snowflake. Um, we started working with HubSpot when they were launching their podcast network. And so they were looking Mm -hmm. for niche podcasts that were business podcasts to create a network. So that's a little bit of an anomaly. It's not like everybody's creating networks of podcasts. So HubSpot uh, is kind of an aside. And they're a wonderful company and they've been a a great partner of ours. Um, If you're thinking about finding sponsors... Uh, or monetization in general, there's two ways. Um, We prefer the sponsorship model, which is we're combining advertorial content. We're having them as a guest on our podcast. Uh, We do advertising. So we put ads that are dynamically inserted into our content. We even do things like retargeting and co-branding, put their logos other places. And instead of selling that, just the media, we're packaging it up on a, a per month, a per quarter, a per yearly fee. So it's $500 a month to $1,500 a month to be a sponsor of the MarTech podcast. Um, And if we have longer relationships or if they're more strategic, then the prices go up. Um, We do a lot of outreach to people that are marketing to marketers. So if you're sponsoring a marketing event, you're trying to reach marketers, we'll reach out and say, hey, we're the MarTech podcast. You sponsored, I don't know, the MarTech conference Seems like we might have some things in common. Let's have a conversation about how we can work together. The other way is, you know you have an audience. We know we have an audience of professional marketers. They skew a little male, 25 to 45. And often brands will come to us and say, we want to reach, not necessarily marketers, but men that are 25 to 45. So uh, Athletic Greens, BetterHelp, uh, all the big podcast marketers, they want to buy media on a CPM basis, cost per thousand downloads in this case. And so generally the rates are $25 to $50 per ad placement. And so if you've got a 1,000 downloads a month and they're paying a $25 CPM and you have one ad placement, you're going to make $25. It's not a lot of money. So to me, the sponsorship model of, you know, for a 100,000 downloads, we're charging five hundred dollars a month or fifteen hundred dollars a month or something in that range we wouldn't be making that type of monetization if we were just selling on a per cpm basis so i tend to favor the sort of package sponsorship models but a lot of media buyers who are just there for the advertising uh, want to sell on a cpm basis
1: mm-hmm. yeah interesting no uh, you mentioned many times outreach uh, reaching out you know um, uh, i even i usually count how many times you can tell about that but i lost my track uh, because you reach out to sponsors you reach out to clients to guests so can you tell about personalization what kind of methods do you use uh, to find these recipients uh, who uh, who need your services or wanna speak on your podcast and uh, what kind of personalization do you use i mean like probably if you have some template or something like this share with us
0: yeah um Email marketing is a huge portion of our business. We are reaching out to guests. We are sending them emails when they become uh, speakers. Uh, We're reaching out to sponsors. Uh, We send a whole bunch of email to a whole bunch of people. Um, We use a service called Mixmax, M-I-X-M-A-X, and it is a a Gmail plugin, Uh, and It allows us to do not only email templates, but also sequences. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we can set up, uh, you know, we want to, when we're inviting somebody to be our podcast guest, we'll send them three emails. Hey, we think that you'd be a great guest. Here's a little bit about our podcast. Would you be interested in coming on the show? And then the second email is, hey, we're following up. Did you get our email? And the third email is, you know, moonshot last try. Just want to see if you're interested in speaking opportunities. If not, let us know. It's not a fit for you and we'll leave you alone. I don't want to send three separate emails. So What we do is we upload them into a sequence and those emails are sent automatically. We're building out variables and lists and MixMax is the tool we use. It's no different than most other mail merge tools. Um, but you have to be careful. Things about like email deliverability, when you're reaching out to sponsors, sometimes you want to send that from a different domain because they might flag it as spam. But email marketing is an incredible, important part of building a podcast
1: business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, uh, Benjamin, let's talk about uh, how to grow the audience subscribers on your podcast because I found that many uh, companies that, uh, start podcasts can uh, give up in some time because they can't get results. And according to a few studies, uh, I don't remember exactly the number. It's like uh, most podcasters don't record the second, uh, the third episode because they can't get results from the first one. So can you tell uh, how to grow your podcast and tell more about Patience, perseverance, if you have no downloads, uh, if you have no experience, but uh, how to go ahead with all that? (laughs) If you're starting a new podcast, let me
0: start there. Um, The trick is you need to record, what we try to do is we record six weeks of content in advance. So if you're going to publish on a weekly cadence, you need six interviews in advance before you start publishing. You're always trying to work a little bit more than a month in advance, a month and a half, because sometimes if you're working on recording the content and you're trying to promote it, it's too much. So we are always six weeks ahead. Then we start publishing the content. And then we know that we only need to record one week of content to stay six weeks ahead. So if we fall a week or two behind or something happens to this week's interview, we still have five weeks of padding before we have to worry about, oh, shoot, what are we going to publish next week? So we are recording a bunch of content up front before we launch. And that way, once we launch, we can focus on marketing. Now, in terms of marketing a podcast, there's four words you have to remember. Viral, organic, paid and partnerships. Virality is getting people to share your content. And the trick to getting people to share your content, it's not necessarily having content that your listeners are going to share. That's not necessarily something you can control. It's building the assets and the communication. So the other people that are participating in your podcast, like your guests, Your producers, your sponsors, they're sharing the content on your behalf. You want to take care so you're not the only person telling people about a given podcast or a given episode. So the more content you could produce with more people, the more virality you're going to get. Now, that leads us into organic. Organic, just like SEO, you need to create content that is topical, that is well titled, but also you need to create a high volume of content, right? Do you think Apple is going to rank your podcast number one for whatever your given search term is if you only produce one episode? Of course not. So you need to publish on a regular cadence. That's really our methodology is breaking out long format content into short pieces, into short episodes, so we can publish in an hour interview two or three podcast episodes. That not only allows us to publish more content, but it allows us to create two or three different titles so for example, if I was going to break down this conversation, I might create a title that was, how did you get started in podcasting? How do you find your audience? How do you find guests? How do you grow your show? Right? Those are mm-hmm. three different titles. And anybody that's looking for information about podcasting, you don't know what their long-term query is going to be. So create more content. You kind of want to flood the, uh, the, the algorithm with topics related to your, your primary keyword. It's basic SEO 101. Produce more content relative to the topic that you want. So viral and organic, we've covered paid. Well, this doesn't seem like rocket science. There's a whole bunch of different ways that you could pay to promote your content. You could buy audio ads on other people's content. We do a lot of programmatic advertising to get people to follow our podcasts. People have done social media campaigns. Everybody's got a little bit of a different strategy. There's a great company that I I highly recommend called Mopod, M-O-W-P-O-D, um, they're kind of our secret sauce for growing some of our podcasts. Uh, and then partnerships, things like this. Hey, we've got a relationship. You've got a show. You've come on to mine. We cross promote each other's content. You know, maybe there's an organization that you work with. You know, martech.org might start cross promoting our content. You can build out relationships and have these other syndication models to be able to share your content. So viral organic paid partnerships. There is no silver bullet unless you've got a huge budget to grow your podcast. So you kind of got to do all things.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It it takes time to find what actually will work. Uh, And uh, yeah, I see when content creators are looking for a golden button, silver bullet, (laughs) and any other stuff that can help them to go ahead. But yeah, it takes time. Okay, Benjamin, uh, I have the question about... um, uh, how to uh, submit the right call to action in your podcast? Because uh, I found that uh, some content creators uh, submit podcasts but can't sell products, even if it's valuable uh, covering uh, customers' journey, but they don't know how to sell products in the end.
0: Yeah, it's tricky. Um, and honestly, I think that the medium of podcasting is wonderful because you can deliver a, a ton of information in a short period of time think about uh, how much information you get from seeing a Facebook ad. What are you looking at it for? Half a second? Maybe Maybe it's got thumb stopping power and you're, you're looking at it for three seconds. Not a lot of information. We're, I don't know what, 18 minutes into our conversation, right? That's 18 minutes of audio that somebody has consumed. So you can give a lot more value. Even in podcast ads, 30 to 60 seconds, you can get a lot more information in 30 to 60 seconds of audio than you can in other mediums. Now, that's great to build depth of knowledge, but the problem with podcasting is people are listening. They are not actively clicking and scrolling, and so there's this huge attribution problem. So you want to mention the company's name more than three times, be very specific about the call to action, talk about the value that someone's getting, right? You have to do a little selling, but you don't want to be over the top. The messaging is very clear. uh, And there's different places that you can look to figure out messaging. Um, I can't remember the name of the company that did this big study on how to... You can go to pod sites or go to uh, Sounds Profitable to start to understand a little bit of how to put an ad together. Um, There's some great resources in those two places. Um, What we do that kind of cheats a little, is we retarget the people that listen to podcasts. And so we have the ability to ingest the data from a podcast, enrich it into a format that we can then run display marketing or social media marketing and actually put an ad that somebody heard on a podcast in front of them when they get back to LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever channel we use to retarget them. And then there's something, not only do they get the second impression, but they can click. And then you can figure out, well, did this person come from the podcast or were they exposed to it? If they're clicking on our marketing campaigns, we know where they came from because there is a click. So it helps with all the attribution. There's always this challenge of when somebody heard you talk on a podcast, how do you know if they become your buyers? So you're either doing pre and post uh, surveys uh, you can do uh, an analytics uh, like pod sites where you're trying to pixel the users. There is no exact science for understanding podcast attribution. That's why we like to do a lot of retargeting. Mm-hmm.
1: I have the question uh, about your podcast. You have uh, Mark Tech, Voice of Search. Uh, there I related to each other and also uh, about digital marketing. Can you tell uh, why you uh, have two podcast in one niche and uh, uh, I'm interested do you have different audience for this podcast or mm-hmm. you uh, have uh, the same listeners
0: no they're they're different I mean I'm sure there's some overlap but we think about them as being discrete different communities um, Martech is more of our general marketing it's kind of the overlap between technology and marketing but those are not specific to organic search we cover a lot of paid. B2B, B2C. Um, We touch on SEO and organic growth, um, but it's really a different community for the Voices of Search, which is our SEO podcast. That is more of a defined, discrete community of people that are trying to optimize against the search engine, right? Against what Google is doing or now OpenAI as well. Um, you know, We do other podcasts. We've got one called The Rebrand, which is specific to brand marketers. We have the CTO podcast that we just launched, which speaks to technical leaders. So what we try to do is find companies that want to produce a podcast that already has an existing niche and community. To me, instead of trying to create a community that doesn't exist and then sell them on listening to your content, it's easier to tap into places where people are already aggregating. So, you know, it's a little bit of a dance because we do this, you know, we help brands create their podcast, but we encourage them to focus on building content that speaks to specific niches that people already identify with.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. And uh, I have the question about AI. Uh, We chatted a little bit before the episode and you mentioned that you dislike AI. (laughs) And yeah, I I love different opinions. It's not that I dislike,
0: it's (laughs) I don't trust yet.
1: Okay, yeah. Of course, we can't trust because it's only the beginning of this AI journey. And uh, I think this technology will develop, innovate a lot in the future. But what about today? Because uh, many marketers use AI like a daily tool. I used before ChatGPT. I'm using today. We created our tool that can help to create text at scale for all website pages. Of course, it's important to uh, edit to submit something new. And uh, I agree, sometimes I can't use AI because it's the best rewriting tool ever. Rewriting, it's not writing, it's not something new. So can you tell uh, from your experience uh, how to use AI or why we don't need to use AI? Yeah,
0: we've started to kick the tires on different ways to use AI. Um, I think it's good for two things right now. Um, I think it's good for creating a first draft that someone can edit. So for example, we might take a podcast transcript and we might give it to chat GPT and say, create a summary for us in these different formats, but then we're going to give it to our editor to make sure that it's right, that it's polished and, and it still needs a human to look at it, but it takes less time for them to edit than write, Or vice versa with some of our email templates that we've had around for five years they just felt a little dated. So I took some of our old email templates and I ran them into chat GPT and said, Hey, can you clean these up or streamline the messaging? Right. And and it's helped us sort of rewrite some of the things that might feel a little stale. Um, what I don't think artificial intelligence is great for is, uh, here's a topic. Give me a piece of content because most of the time, factually it's incorrect. I, I went to, uh, both Bard and ChatGPT and said, tell me about the MarTech podcast. And it gave me a nice little description about the MarTech podcast, mostly what was already written on our website. And then I said, tell me about the host. And it's like, oh, Benjamin Shapiro, he's the CEO of Sendoso. No, I'm not. Benjamin Shapiro went to UCLA. Nope, didn't go to UCLA. All, all of these facts that are totally inaccurate, right? So I would need to give that to someone else to make sure that it's actually happening. Um there's going to be utility. There's going to be usage of AI and and the tools are going to continue to get better. Um, My feeling right now is what AI has been great about is capturing people's imagination and attention. Uh, And specifically you look at like, Oh, everybody thinks that Bing is doing so great because they integrated open uh, AI, they integrated chat GPT into their search engine. Bing search volume didn't really change over the last year, even though they've added Chat GPT into their product. But everybody thinks about Bing now because they did something exciting around AI. So to me, we're early on in the hype cycle and generally what happens is people get so excited about this new technology. And then they get really frustrated because it didn't do everything and they thought it was going to be great for everything. And then they figure out what it's actually good for and it starts to be more useful. We're still at the beginning phases where everybody thinks it's everything to everyone and, and it's not going to be.
1: Nice, nice, love it, love it. Okay, if no, it's not AI, can you tell about your loving AI, uh, tools that you use for creating great uh, podcast episodes and uh, tell uh, how to use them in the right way? Um, yeah, we haven't really implemented a ton of artificial
0: intelligence into what we're doing. Um, I mean, honestly, what we're using most of the time is GPT and Zapier. And we're, you know, sending transcripts to Zapier and getting responses and things like that. Um, there is a tool that I think is really uh, interesting that creates content out of podcasts. Um, hey, Todd, what's the tool, the show, CapShow? Cap show. Yeah. Thank you. CapShow, C-A-P-S-H-O, I believe it is. And I think that that's an interesting technology where they figured a way to upload a piece of audio or a transcript, and then you can get uh, more interesting, refined content out of it. Um, and there's some enrichment stuff that we've looked at is when we get a uh, guest information, we can use ChatGPT to write a description of them or figure out where they worked or what their title is. But that just saves us some manual time from scraping LinkedIn and stuff. So not a ton of usability right now. It's interesting, but right now it feels a little more like a distraction than something that's making what we're doing
1: better. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. I want to ask about uh, common mistakes that companies still do by launching, uh, launching their podcasts. Uh, because, you know, in my life, I made a lot of mistakes. I keep doing them, you know, because I don't know another way how to learn something new. So can you list mistakes that companies still do and your tips how to find a much better way?
0: Yeah, I think that um, for larger companies, we're sort of in uh, either SMBs, growth stage companies, or the enterprise. I think a lot of the times what happens is they say, we're going to launch a podcast. Anatoly, you go do it. You figure it out. And that puts all the responsibility on one person to be the strategist, figure out what the position of the podcast is. They have to be the content producer. They're the copywriter. They're the publisher. They're the marketer. Uh, That's a lot of work for one person to do. And so, okay, great. Everybody's excited. We get the first episode. I figure out how to build all the infrastructure to publish the content. And then they're like, all right, I did one episode. I'm going to publish it. And then I'm going to start working on the next one. And they never get out of the rat race of I'm going to work on today's episode to publish it tomorrow. And then tomorrow I'm going to work on the next episode to publish the next day. And they're always struggling to publish content. And then they publish six or seven episodes and they're like, nobody's listening to these episodes. Why are we doing this? And they, they, they pod fade. That's the, the fun term. They quit. And it's because they didn't record enough content upfront. So when the content was being published, they could focus on marketing it. Turns out creating a podcast and doing all the things that I mentioned, it's really like a job for in in each one of our podcasts. We have five people staffed to work on different things. There's a researcher, there's an editor, there's a publishing assistant, there's a guest communication, and then there's the producer. Oh, and by the way, you also need the host, the talent. So maybe it's six people per podcast. Uh, I'm biased. I think that if you want to do it right, You should go get a producer. You should go get professional help and focus on being the talent, not learning how to produce a podcast in the same way that if you wanted to produce a TV show and you wanted to do it in-house, you probably wouldn't start by buying a camera and going and filming people in the office. You'd go get some help. You'd go find a producer or somebody to shoot the video for you and, and you'd work with them on the strategy. I think podcasting is no different.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. And Benjamin, I have the final question. Uh, Sorry for my dogs. I have a lot of dogs there. Okay. And uh, if you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, what will you do today to learn more about podcasting?
0: What would I do today if I was starting a podcast from scratch? I feel a little like a broken record, but I'd record a bunch of content up front and then think about marketing once I was publishing the content. Um, I think that the podcast landscape has gotten much more competitive and podcasts are more commonplace. It's kind of like the web when uh, the internet first launched, it's like most brands were like, why do we need a website? What is this thing? And then eventually I was like, well, we need a website. And then blogging came along and everybody's like, mm, why do we need a blog? Oh, okay. Of course you have to create content for your company. And now it's like, of course, you have to create audio for your company. So to me, the understanding of having audio for people to consume, to learn about your brand, your niche, your services seems like table stakes. And I don't think that every brand has understood that yet. Um, And I would start with producing a bunch of content, doing my research on who I'm trying to reach you know, where are the places that they consume content and making sure that I'm building the right format for what the audience wants to hear.
1: Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Awesome. Benjamin, it's a big pleasure to get in the show, to learn from you, tell our audience the best way, how to keep learning from you, uh, how to follow you, how to listen all your uh, podcasts.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate you inviting me on the show again. Uh, for anybody that's interested in following up, our website is iheareverything.com. I Hear Everything, and it's H-E-A-R, not H-E-R-E. We've got links to all of our podcasts from that page. Uh, You can search wherever you listen to your podcasts. We've got the MarTech podcast, Voices of Search, Rebrand podcast for brand marketers, CTO podcast. Uh, We're launching another one about data called Data Driven, uh, probably next month. So we've got a whole bunch of shows up and running, and uh, the easiest place to find all of them is just go to iheareverything.com.
1: Nice, nice. Guys, you can find the link to the website in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. I recommend to anyone to listen all this awesome podcast because you can become a better marketer. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple,
0: Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use.